Welcome, adventurers. A dark village lies ahead. A dark guide has shown her the way. Come now and listen. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon If there had been uncertainty somewhere, it was gone. The raven's presence confirmed that the journey's end was near. After taking flight, it had flitted away into the small town before her, losing itself in the monotony. Esmeray approached the bridge, pausing on this side. If there was a last chance to turn back, this was it. She stepped onto the rough stone and made her way across. As her foot touched down on the town side of the bridge, a heavy drizzle began to fall. The touch of each droplet upon her face seemed to bring a whispered voice. Whispers in her mind. She could not make out the words, but they sounded regretful, desperate, angry. The murmur rose and fell. Esmeray pressed her lips into a thin line and strode forward. The road rose up, and so did she, up to where the first buildings began. They were tall and narrow, one set against the next, three or four stories capped with steep peaked roofs. They towered above her, and she passed between their dark facades. The windows at the ground floor were shuttered, shutters made of rotting gray wood. The doors, many at the top of uneven steps that rose from the narrow street, were of the same material. Heavy cobwebs covered most. Had Esmeray not seen a few lit windows from the opposite side of the ravine, she would have assumed the town was abandoned. Keeping her pace steady, she let her head move slowly from side to side, up to down. She was three blocks of buildings in before she saw the first lit window, three stories up. Her vision fell to the door below. The building, a home, she presumed, was in a similar state of disrepair as the others, made of the same dull materials. But around this door... There were no cobwebs. She looked back to the window. There was a silhouette of a head. It appeared to return her gaze, to look down upon her. But after two bars, it was still motionless. She was considering knocking on the door or calling up to the window when the raven called from ahead. Esmeray looked toward the noise but could not see the bird. She looked back to the window, and the silhouette was gone. In the damp mist, the whispers continued in the back of her mind. Onward she went. After a quarter bell, she reached a town square of sorts. It was not, in fact, square, 
but more of a wide spot where the road split around a well. The well was centered in a patio of stone that rose two steps up on all sides. At some point there had been a roof over the well, but it had long since collapsed. The bucket still hung from the crossbeam, swinging gently on a frayed gray rope. It felt more like a gallows than a well. The whispers rose and fell. Motion off to her left caught her eye. She turned toward it. On this side of the road stood a building different than the others. It was a low two-story building, and unlike the others, its long side faced the road. The roof was of rotting thatch, Holes in places revealed the timber frame beneath. The shutters that remained were broken and hung at odd angles. Nearly all of the glass was broken, except a few grimy, dust-covered shards. Where the front door should have been, there was nothing but a gaping threshold into the dilapidated building. An illegible wood sign dangled above this opening from a single chain, slowly twisting and swaying, like someone hung from a gallows. For a moment, Esmeray assumed it was the motion of the sign which caught her attention, and it may well have been, but just before she turned away, she realized that through the threshold, sitting in the darkness, was a figure. As her eyes fell upon it, the whispers became louder. She could almost, almost hear what they said. She found her feet moving, one before the other, toward what she assumed to be the old inn. The closer she got, the louder the whispers. The figure within sat three paces inside, in what must have been the old common room. She went as far as the threshold, putting a hand upon the old wood frame. Though he was sitting, she could tell he was strong. He sat on a three-legged stool with his left side toward her, facing a wood table. The man wore a full set of plate armor, but was in the process of unbuckling the elbow cup and van brace on his left arm. He rocked back and forth, mumbling to himself as he did this. The mumbling joined in with the whispers in her head, the cacophony growing louder. His eyes were unfocused, staring ahead into nothing. His face creased with determined lines of concern. Last strap removed, the armor clanked to the ground. If he had taken notice of her, he did not show it focused completely on whatever it was he was doing. He raised his left hand, a fist, just before his face, and continued to rock. Esmeray could see that the fist was not just shut, but clenched tightly, as if he was terrified he would lose his grip on something. The man swallowed, and then began to repeat the same phrase over and over. Tear, I am your unworthy servant. Please grant me the strength to rid myself of this corruption. Tear, I am your unworthy servant. Please grant me the strength to rid myself of this corruption.
The words sounded in her mind as well as out loud. She felt something was about to happen, but what? She made to speak out, to interrupt whatever this was, but found she could not. Trapped instead as an unwitting witness, the mantra repeated over and over, I am your unworthy servant. Please grant me the strength to rid myself of this corruption. The man slowly drew a heavy broadsword from his side. The words stopped, and he laid his clenched fist, fingers up, against the table. The blade rose in the air. What was he doing? The man's head turned for the first time, gray eyes filled with sorrow, shame, and madness stared directly into hers. She wanted to scream. The blade fell, a dull thud of a sword biting into the table. The man was screaming, out loud, in her mind. She was screaming. Her eyes fell to where the severed hand lay upon the moldy rushes that covered the dirt floor. The fingers had opened to reveal the palm. At its center was an eye. Not a painting or a tattoo, but a vibrant green eye, open in a dead stare. She screamed still, his scream echoing. She forced her eyes shut, the wail finally passing. She was afraid to open her eyes, kept them clamped shut. The mumbling started again. Her eyes sprang open. Sitting on the stool before her, the man sat muttering, rocking back and forth, unbuckling the armor on his left arm, his fist clenched tight, eyes staring off into nothing. Esmeray backed away, backed away until she was in the middle of the street. His voice was much quieter now, but she could still hear it. The armor clanked to the ground, and she heard the whisper. Dear, I am your unworthy servant. Esmeray turned and fled up the street. She stuck to the middle of the traveled way. It was time for this to come to an end, whatever that might mean. Three more windows with lights she had passed, all of them with a black silhouette of a head in them. She did not pause to ponder them, to see if they might be watching her. She knew they were watching her, whoever they were. Twenty or more red eyes glowed in the shadow of an alley. She did not look, the whispers rising again. Esmeray passed their gaze as well, continuing on. The road continued steadily upward until it became too steep for building to be practical. It ended abruptly, along with a village, at what seemed an entirely unnecessary gate. Two pillars of stone and a warped wrought iron arch, atop which the raven sat. It turned its head to look at her, but just once, before it took to the gray sky, one final time. It did not bother to fly up the steep switchback path that ran up the face of a near cliff before her, did not show her the way to go, 
but instead flew straight up, up to the tower that loomed over the town. When the dark bird had risen to the one lit window high above, it circled once and then flew within. She looked on. There it ended. Desmarais passed through the gate and began to climb. Drizzle turned to a steady rain for the first time. The stone path upon which she passed grew slick, but she trod on. Cold and wet, the whispers began to echo in her mind. She came to the path's end. Before her lay a keep. High walls of stone rose up on four sides, the tower rising still higher from within. A drawbridge lay across a dry moat, the portcullis open at its end. Esmeray could see into the courtyard beyond. In the falling rain, the walls seemed to writhe and squirm as the water moved down the mold-covered stone. Across the bridge she went, and into the courtyard. Within the walls she had expected buildings, a guardhouse, a smithy, a stable at the very least. There were none, save the tower. Lightning flashed. Other than the tower and herself, the courtyard's only other occupant was the skeleton of a long, dead horse, its head still tied with a moldy rope to a hitching post at which it had been abandoned near the tower's base. Twenty paces across, the tower rose into the sky, sixty paces or more. Where it touched the ground, a single door faced her. It was open. There was no light within. She caught herself just before she yelled out loud, yelled at the whispers to cease. With a snarl and the shake of her head, she began to move toward the door, and upon reaching it, she entered without hesitation. Let this be done. She stepped into pitch black. Esmeray turned hurriedly about to face the courtyard. It was gone. The door was gone. There was nothing but total darkness. She could hear water dripping. Cold fingers touched her cheek. She was about to recoil, step back in defense. At the last moment, she stopped herself. If she stepped back, she was stepping away from where the wall should be. She had already lost the door. What would happen if she lost the wall? The water dripped. She reached out slowly and found cold stone. The fingers brushed her neck. Esmeray swallowed. Keeping one hand against the wall, she began to shuffle her feet ahead. The fingers were gone, but then a breath caressed her face. Flinching from the sensation, her feet kept moving. When it seemed to her that she should be coming back to where she had started, having felt no door, she began to panic. And then she stubbed her toe on something hard. A step, the cold fingers wrapped gently around her throat. She stepped up 
and began to ascend. She ascended through horror. At some point, the dripping water stopped, and the screaming began. Cries of terror and of agony filled her mind. In the absence of sight, it became all-consuming. The iron smell of blood filled her nostrils, and the cold wall grew sticky. Eventually the screams passed, and they were replaced with other sounds. Wet sounds, like raw meat being slapped against stone. Disturbing pops and cracks. Things being torn. As Marie grew nauseous, her knees felt weak. Yet she kept on. One step. One more. And then those sounds were replaced with something else. Complete silence. She heard nothing. Not the sounds of her feet, nor her breath, nor the beat of her heart. She could see nothing, hear nothing. She believed she still walked. It felt as though she moved her feet that her hand still brushed the wall. But after a time, she wasn't sure. She found herself wishing for the whispers to come back. She felt the urge to scream, welling up, to use her voice as proof of her existence. But she found she was even more scared she would try and hear nothing. Who knew what time passed? how many steps she had climbed. But then it happened. That flame of anger flickered within her. How dare anyone, anything, put her through this? She stopped and let go of the wall. There was nothing, no proof that she existed. The anger became a raging fire. She needed no proof. She was as Murray. She opened her mouth and spoke into the void. Will Esmeray's voice sound out? Or has she been swallowed by darkness? Stay tuned next week for the final episode of Season 4. Hey, people. We're so close now. Season's almost over. Really, really scared. What's happening? (laughs) Please stay tuned for the final episode of Season 4, which contains the creepiest voice I have ever done uh, to date. So I don't know if I can actually get creepier than the voice that exists in the next episode. Uh, So if you want to hear that very creepy voice, stand by. Wait just a week and check it out. And I'll be there to mentally hold your hand. We can both be scared together. (laughs) That's all. Uh, Hope you guys are having the best of days. And have a good one.